0: Hey, this week we're releasing a episode from the archives. This was uh, the blue-footed booby that Angie and I recorded over a year ago for our Patreon-only listeners. And uh, Angie and I both are traveling this week, so we just finished recording our 300th official episode, which is going to be a big one. Uh, next week, we actually have a massive interview that we're releasing, episode 299. And then the the big episode 300, we have a big species coming your way. So there's your hint. So we decided uh, this week we would pull this out of the archives and release it. It was such a fascinating bird to talk about. We get to go back to the Galapagos. So just uh, love birds, love the species. So please enjoy the blue-footed booby. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. Chris,
1: of course, true to its name, the blue-footed booby has bright blue webbed feet. I mean, blue, like turquoise.
0: What can they teach us? And when their primary food source is pretty much absent from the area. And then when it's there, it's half its size. It, it It's breaking down. We're seeing it. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. It sounds like a, a, a weak whistle. I don't know. It's like a wood whistle.
1: It kind of reminds me of an eagle call, actually.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can hear I it. Mean, I mean, I'm not
1: uh, – full disclosure, definitely not I, the best with bird
0: right. biology.
1: I'm, I'm working on becoming more of a bird nerd, and I love it, and I'm starting my list of what mm-hmm. I see in the wild and mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, yes. No. Uh, so just off, off the cuff, I'm like, oh, that almost sounds a little bit like an eagle. But that is the – Blue-footed booby.
0: Yes, yes, yes. We we are sticking with the ocean. And so we wanted to do a, a seafaring or, or living near the sea type bird. And this one is pretty iconic, isn't it?
1: Oh, I mean, you can't miss it. It has blue feet. And we're going to talk a lot about this native marine bird. And I think it's also always on my mind because it's predominantly seen in the Galapagos Islands. Mm-hmm. Which is on my bucket list. I know it's on your bucket list. Yes. Uh, maybe somebody will need us to like do a live show there someday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That'd
0: be amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs>
1: so yeah, Chris is a really fun bird, and oh man, their uh, some of their mating rituals. Mm-hmm. I've I've always wanted to learn more about that. So it's been a good week prepping the blue-footed booby.
0: Oh, the behavior. I, yeah, we're, we're going to get to the behavior because I think there's a lot there. Like the one thing I was reading about the sibling rivalry, you know. Yes. <laughs> and I know that's mm-hmm. something you and I are dealing with on a day to day basis with our kids. It's just like, oh.
1: Yes, it's probably a good thing that my children are not blue footed booby hatchlings because. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It, it would, it just wouldn't be good. And we'll talk about why that is. Yeah. Poor little
0: Maddox. No, Maddox. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, yeah, it's going to be a, a great podcast uh, with the, with the wonderful bird, you know, we're wrapping up plastic free July. We, our team did amazing. I know we'll be highlighting this the next couple of weeks, but just seeing my own impact was um, at the bottles, the water bottles. I think I saved over a hundred water bottles from going to the landfill
1: just oh, by one yeah. month. Yeah. Easily, yeah. easily carrying around your water container uh, and just uh, I I was bringing around a lot of uh, silverware. So I was in spoons like if we got ice cream or something, I was never mm. stuck having to to get any single serve plastics at stores or restaurants. So that that was really helpful and yeah, just all the different challenges. I watched a lot of documentaries, I did a lot of research like on fast fashion. I uh, mm-hmm. the kids and I watched a couple YouTube videos uh, which was Awesome, because then later on throughout the month, sander was like, "Oh, we can do this, and we can't recycle this," and Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. so. Yeah, no, it's really eye-opening, and especially as we talk about the blue-footed booby today, they are they're not endangered yet, but we're going to talk about how their numbers are declining, and a lot of that has to do with changes to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think it's really important to not only focus on animal health, but then of course ocean health, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You always got to stay focused on that, and. Uh, and I just, I, all month I've been talking to my kids about plastics and why we don't want to use plastics. And I think when you have those conversations with your young children, as they mature and get older, you know, this next generation up and coming, I forgot what Xander called it. Didn't he call it the green generation or something? That was like a couple years ago when he was little.
1: He was yeah. Like six. yeah. It's true though, because the more they think, and they're going to think outside the box and and hopefully maybe um, engineer a similar material to plastic, but one that's biodegradable or mm-hmm. made strictly out of plant materials and things like that. So yeah, it's just great to get conversations going because kids are so curious. I mean, I think they have all the answers to the universe, yes. especially like my my five-month-old, John and I always say, I think he has everything figured out. He knows all the secrets. He just can't talk. No.
0: <laughs> and then they forget it as they get older.
1: And then they forget it. Yes, that's what we say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The human comes out. Well, one of the things I... I I really had a question about this species. It's just the word booby. Because we kind of giggle, even you and I giggled a little bit talking about this species. We're like, Ooh. Well, I had
1: some I yes, I had some uh, friends that went to the Galapagos and yeah. of course I their t-shirts I saw on social media was like, "I love boobies." But I yeah. mean, it was for the bird and it was from the Galapagos and so it was a good promotion, but <laughs> yes. it was also kind of funny, right?
0: Yes, yeah, we giggle a little bit. You know, go back to our, our little teenage years. So I wanted to to kind of research, okay, why are these birds called boobies? And it really originates from one of the Spanish words for stupid or bobo. And it was because as mariners went out and did find the Galapagos and boobies are around the world as when we get to all the different species, they thought these birds were dumb because they would walk right up to sailors. They had no fear of people. And then also, when they walk on land,
1: they look very clumsy. Yes, they're so. not the most graceful bird no, on no. land. In yeah. air, though, they're pretty yeah. amazing. Oh, we'll talk yeah. in hunting yeah, and fishing. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, you know, it, it, in the English language, it was adopted booby, again, around the 16th century. So you're looking at the 1500s. And was applied to the birds. And and so, you know, then things in the English language started being connotated with booby meaning dumb, right? So we call the boob tube television, idiot oh,
1: box. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I never yeah, thought of yeah, it like yeah. that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The booby trap, which is a trap ah. for dummies. You fall into a booby trap. The booby prize. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're the loser, you get a booby prize, right? So booby is is didn't have the best connotation for being smart or things like that. Now, where it came into female anatomy, because then that's where we kind of giggle. I saw boobies in the Galapagos, you know, and you're like, ooh, is it, you know, what does that mean? That didn't first appear into the English language in a poem in the 17th century, in the 1600s. And the origin of that is boobies or bubbies, which is German origin. And babies would be like booby booby, meaning teat. So they to nurse they would say booby booby booby, and that's where it came from. So that's more German in origin. Where the original booby was Spanish in origin for stupid. So that kind of explains it. I, it's a kind of different factoid. I thought it was kind of interesting. And you read all these different sources on boobies and, and they kind of just talk about like where the origin of that word came from. So, so somewhere where to start off <laughs> this special episode uh, uh, about these birds. But Angie, they are a very iconic looking. I mean, blue-footed booby.
1: Well, Chris, of course, true to its name, the blue-footed booby has bright blue webbed feet. I mean, blue like Mm-hmm. Turquoise almost if you will, like very blue, not even bluish gray, anything like that. Very, very blue. Uh, and they are a seabird so they have a they have, they're pretty sturdy built as far as having shorter legs but then a more of a broad chest. And on, on their top side of their wings they're a beautiful chocolate brown color, very dark brown. And then on the underside of their wings and their belly they're white. And so the white plumage goes along just the top part of their legs until the blue feet and then the webbing starts. So it looks very striking because it's like white feathers from their underside of their belly to their like upper thighs to then this blue webbed feet. Uh, and then the white goes up into and above their chest and their head is uh, almost like a molted cinnamon white and brown alternating colors. So really pretty. And then the beak on the blue-footed booby is a long and narrow, but not as long as if you think of like a stork or something yeah. like that. So yeah. it's like medium in length. Um, and towards the base or towards the skull or eye, it almost has a blue tint to it. Uh, it's not the bright blue of the feet, but it's almost like a bluish gray in color where the rest of the beak is more of a a dull brown or gray. Uh, And what's really kind of cool when you look closely is that um, the eyes are a really distinctive yellow color. In fact, the males are going to even be a little bit more bright yellow Mm -hmm. than the females. Piercing. I mean, piercing Mm -hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So, so just, yeah, in general, really good looking bird. I mean, yeah. uh, the colors work. Uh, not that I'm an interior designer or anything, but I really think <laughs> that the, the bright blue and the uh, dark brown and the white is just really striking.
0: It, it's a beautiful bird. It, it really is. And what surprised me about it, too, is you don't realize how big some birds are mm-hmm. because, I mean, they're, you know, on average 30 to 35 inches long. So, you're looking at three feet. That's, that's big. That's mm-hmm. not a small bird. They weigh up, but only weigh three to four pounds. That's the thing with all birds that gets me is, is how big they are, or long, or their wingspan. But they, they're very light, right? Because that's how they fly they hollow bones, things like that. Wingspan of this bird can be up to five feet or one and a half meters. So, this is not a small bird.
1: You Definitely know, I, not a small bird. No,
0: it surprises me a lot of times when we do these animals. It it just how big they are. They're, they're just, they're amazing. They're gorgeous. Like you've, you've got to look at the pictures and actually look at them.
1: Because I never really
0: looked at them before. I
1: said, oh yeah, the blue feet. Right, exactly. Girls, good point. Yeah, when trying to describe them and putting a whole bunch of pictures on my show notes, as and really just seeing the subtleties and the how the eyes pop, mm-hmm. and just the plumage is just really beautiful. And when I say that their underbelly is white, it's like snow white, I mean, mm-hmm. s- stark white, if you will. And so it just really contrasts those blue feet. So cool, so cool.
0: It is, it is. They are striking birds, like I. Galapagos definitely top 10 on my list. And I know your 10th anniversary is like almost here, isn't it?
1: It's around the corner. <laughs>
0: Send John a reminder. And I just
1: unfortunately don't think it'll be spent in the Galapagos. No. Um, are you listening, was... John? Are you out there? Maybe <laughs> maybe our 15th. We'll bring the kids. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, you had little surprise Maddox and COVID and all that fun stuff, right? So, exactly. Yeah, you'll get there. You will get there. But like you said, uh, the boobies are – Associated with the Galapagos, but their range goes up to to my old stomping grounds, home, right back home. Well,
1: that's California. what really surprised me. I, if you would have asked me on a quiz, I would never have thought they could, mm-hmm. as far north as California.
0: No, no. And I'm like, oh, now that I'm like such a bird nerd, thanks to Jesse, I, I, the, the salt. I read salt and sea in California. You know, I think it's Imperial Valley, is right outside San Diego. Like I could mm-hmm. have driven there to go bird watching and might have been lucky enough to see one that might have gotten blown there on a storm. So they are that far north in the Gulf of California and then off the Baja Peninsula and then down Central America into South America to – your geography is better down there in, in South America. Where is that? Not quite Chile, but just north of Chile.
1: At Peru. Mm-hmm. Peru.
0: So r- around Peru. But, di- you know, but not really – their that's their range but really they're more densely populated the gulf of california and then around the galapagos that's where they're more populated right
1: yes Mm -hmm. okay
0: okay Okay. so i got that but why care about this bird not only is it one of the most unique looking in the world i mean this is a what oceanic predator right it's critical
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're hunting small to medium-sized fish, uh, sardines, keeping those populations in check. And then we're going to talk more about it when we get to uh, behavior and breeding. But one of the really interesting things that blue-footed boobies do is when the female lays her eggs, she'll lay two to three of them in general, they're laid for like five days apart. It's called asynchronous hatching. And so... What that does is that separates the age of the individual chicks by two, three, four, five days. So this causes a lot of benefits that I'll talk more about in the podcast, but it can also cause some detriments. And because they're one of the only species that do this, um, for scientists that are studying these birds and other birds and want to help save them, the blue footed booby is a really important model to study parent and offspring conflict and then also sibling rivalry which Chris talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast so i think that because they are iconic and they can be easily studied and they're not super scared of humans there are there are some fabulous studies out there which mm-hmm. i went through a lot of them prepping for this podcast and so uh, but i didn't think about it till later on about how when you have a species that does this and you can study these unique behaviors. You can learn more about other species as well.
0: Right. It's it's just again another unique species, and it, it is sad because even though they're least concerned right now, they they will be downgraded. They will get on the endangered species list, or you know, on the IUCN's near threatened, at least. You know, going down the list because they're recently is a massive decline in the booby population around the Galapagos just recent studies coming out in the last five years that the birds are having a lot of trouble breeding and when Angie gets to some of that you know we'll talk about you know why or when they decide to breed and so they're in decline and the decline is a long-term issue it's not just a one season off it's it's year after year after year and the reason in the Galapagos is sardines. It's, it's simple. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about this in the bluefin tuna episode where sardines, weren't the sardines like the number one fish taken out in the ocean? I think it was yes, like the number one fish.
1: I didn't right? know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they are highly targeted. So being overfished, but around the Espanola, islands this whole region around ecuador sardine populations have completely disappeared Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so in the last 10 years sardines are decreasing on average around 10 15 percent but in one year in 2011 to 2012 the biomass decreased by 30 percent and recent reports in 2021 have sardines that they're catching are now half the size Of what they normally are because the oceans are warming. So you're starting to see the breakdown of the food web of our oceans. You know, we're we're seeing the effects of climate change in 2021. We're seeing horrific stuff up in the Northern Hemisphere. I'm watching it down here. I'm kind of scared for our summer here, see what happens because you're all going through massive droughts and heat waves and fires. Half of Canada's on fire, whatever it is. And now we're seeing you know, we're taking a microscope, looking at a species and when their primary food source is pretty much absent from the area. And then when it's there, it's half its size. It, it, it's breaking down. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. So, you know, the, the blue-footed booby, it's not looking good. Just a recent report in the avian conservation and ecology is, it's directly linked to sardine availability where 30 years ago, those birds were abundant. Now you're seeing them really, really struggle uh, to breed. And they're seeing really low nesting numbers and survival rates. So it, it it it's not a pretty picture there, Angie. It's really not.
1: No, and there's certain studies out there that suggest too that some of the marine plastic pollution could also be uh, affecting their mortality and viability. Oh, yeah. Because they dive into the water to grab fish and... If there's plastic there, or if they mistake, if they maybe mistake uh, a shiny piece of plastic as a silvery fish or something. So yeah, we have got we've got to keep our eye on, on these birds for sure. Oh, if and please, our oceans, right? That I mean, that's, yeah. that's 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 what's really key.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that's why we dedicate every July to uh, talking about those issues. I I go back to the uh, the Hawaiian monk seal, and when we talked about that, and that was that was two years ago. When the Midway Atoll and all those islands and all the garbage, and I think there was boobies—not blue-footed—but there were boobies there, mm-hmm. um, or certain birds. There was just the the shores were just all trash and garbage. It was just horrific. So, yeah, we we're definitely going to be telling this story constantly. You know, every other month, we'll, we'll we'll definitely be diving back into the ocean. Now, to to get through evolution, because again, we want to get to those behaviors. The blue-footed booby is from the order Soliforms. Now, what's interesting about this, doing a little bit of dive in evolution, this is the newest order of birds, Angie. This is a new order thanks to genetics.
1: Ah, I love it. I did not know that.
0: No, no, I know. So it used to be what, pelicaniforms? That's one of the older ones, the pelicans. And I think these were all wrapped into these these seagoing birds. But in the late 2000s, so 2008, 2009, 2010, with genetic studies, they were able to adjust and they form this new order. Now this takes up about 61 species. So this is your frigate birds, your boobies, your gannets, Mm -hmm. your cormorants, shags, and darters. Now what's cool about this order. The reason I highlight it is they share a characteristic that no other bird has. So their feet are called totipalmate, which is all four of their toes are webbed. Something I didn't really pay attention to. Our am sure birders know that. Of course. Of yes. course.
1: We're getting there, Chris, eventually, slowly, but surely.
0: All right. So Tony Palme, this is a, a learning thing for everybody. Something we haven't talked about before. All four toes webbed. Other birds with webbed feet, like your ducks, your geese, your others, the hallux, which is the hind toe or the big toe is free. So, that's not webbed. So, next time I see a a goose or a duck on land, I'm going to look and find that free toe and go, aha! You know, where (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the boobies. Okay. Uh, Continuing on with classification, uh, the family Solidae, this is your gannets and boobies. There's 10 species. Then the genus is Sola. And these are the boobies, and there's six species. Now, uh, obviously, the six you have the blue-footed booby, the brown booby, which is more uh, tropical waters around the world. So you know both sides of the equator. They they range all around the world. Then you have the masked booby, again very similar around the world. Then you have the red-footed booby, which is the red feet are crazy.
1: I know and Chris, it's embarrassing. Please, all my bird nerd (laughs) friends out there, don't be mad at me. But I didn't know there was a red footed booby. Me either. Me either. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, you and I are on the same page. Uh, but that's why we do this podcast. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this deserves attention too. And they're beautiful red feet. Yes.
0: I, they're, they're bright red. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> but
1: there you are. Well, we'll talk about that when we talk about how they get their blue feet, because right. I'm still wondering how all these bright colored feet are, are, are made. It's just right. fascinating. Right. The physiology it's- is just incredible.
0: I know, I know, I know, but and, and how one goes blue and one goes red,
1: right? Exactly, yeah. Which pathway, like what enzyme mm-hmm. shuts off, or yeah, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we won't we won't go that far into it. I promise. All right. <laughs>
0: so that's a that's a one found around the equator around the world. Now going back to the Galapagos region, you have the Nazca bo- booby, which again from Ecuador up into Central America, just south of the Baja Peninsula. And then the Peruvian booby, which, you know, off the coast of South America from Peru down to Chile. So those are the six species, all least concerned right now, but obviously as, you know, things in the ocean deteriorate, you know, they, they all may be endangered or in danger of extinction. Now the species name of the blue-footed booby is Sola, ne- oh, this is like French, nabo. N e b o u x i i. so there you go that's their species name (laughs) and then there's two subspecies so you have the galapagos island subspecies and then the ones you find up in mexico you know in the gulf of california the the pacific coast or southern middle america so those are the, the the two subspecies Bird evolution, we've covered it quite a bit. Again, goes back 150 million years, those avian dinosaurs. Fifth mass extinction comes in, wipes out the dinosaurs, birds boom. Interesting, trying to go down this this rabbit hole. Boobies and garnets, just not a lot known about their evolution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of bones found, not a lot of fossils found. But we do know some fossils date back to the Miocene, so about 20 million years. And really they believe the blue footed booby currently it's relatively young species. So Mm -hmm. maybe one to 2 million years, maybe and evolved on the Galapagos islands and then radiated out from there. So not a lot there. You know, sometimes we find these species where we just don't know a lot about them, but this bird, some amazing facts. I mean, can live up to 17 years You talked about how agile they were. I, when I went down started reading about their dives, because, you know, I was interested about how quick they are, how fast they are. I mean, I know what we say. Peregrine Falcon is the the fastest animal in the world, like 200 miles an hour in a dive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these can reach speeds of 60 miles per hour or 97 kilometers per hour in a dive. So pretty quick.
1: Right, but not only that, but then diving 20, 30 meters above the water, hitting the water at 60 miles per hour, yeah, and then snapping up a fish in its mm-hmm. beak mm-hmm. for lunch or dinner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, I mean, the, the skill for that type of hunting just still blows my mind.
0: Well, and you see some of it, and you see some of the pictures or videos of them doing it. I mean, they they tend to go out in flocks, right, Like like a bunch of them.
1: Oh yeah, Chris, it's it's a sight to be seen uh, when you watch these blue-footed boobies in a group, just doing spectacular dives from way up in the air. And there's large groups of them or flocks of them. Uh, I've heard that it's just breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And in 10, 20, a hundred, all plunge into the ocean at the same time to snap up sardines or whatever type of uh, fish they're hunting. Just it's just. Incredible. So we got to put that on our bucket list as well.
0: It, and you think about it, like you're way up high because you see a school of sardines, like that's what you're going for, or mackerel or or some of these smaller fish. And then you know the water distorts your view, right? They're not going to be where they are. And then they just go flying down. And to be able to target and catch a fish like that, and they're very yeah. successful
1: at it. It's Yeah, it's, anchovies, really small. Yeah. I mean, just... Jeez.
0: You start thinking about it and you're like, this is where nature just astounds you. Astounds you.
1: I mean, my husband and I have been working on our COVID cooking skills since we're home so much. And we think we're like getting a little bit better, uh, and enjoying cooking a little bit more than in the past. Uh, with all, but this is like with all the right tools. I have my my garlic press and my lemon squeeze and my grater and it's like, you know all the all these all this equipment in my in my house. And then if something happens, like our cheese grater broke, kind of. And every (laughs) time I use it, I'm like shaving half of my tips of my fingers off and trying to get the cheese. And so (laughs) that's me, quote unquote, hunting, right? And (laughs) cooking and preparing food for my family. And here is this blue-footed booby, 20 meters up. Oh, there's some sardines, 60 miles an hour, bam, gets it. I mean, they put us to shame. I'm sorry. I know. It's just know. incredible. And of course humans are the most intelligent people or the most intelligent animal in the world or whatever, but I don't I think there's when we talk about skills and different types of intelligence, uh animals can blow us away. They can literally blow us out of the water.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's
1: just they, with certain skills, you know. Oh yeah, and
0: just adaptations. Just their their natural adaptations. So the blue-footed booby, two things that unique physiology. Their their nostrils are permanently shut. So they have to breathe through the corners of their mouths. They, they, they So when they dive, they don't get water rushing. That makes in. sense. Sure. Yep. And I read that they're they have air sacs in their in their head, and this brought me back to the red p- pelated woodpecker.
1: Sure. So mm-hmm. they have
0: air sacs in their skulls that protect the brain when they hit the water at that speed, so they don't get a brain injury. So voila, makes sense. Yeah, there you go. Why care? There you go, you know, for developing better helmets for mm-hmm. motorcycle riders and things like that. So, you know, we can learn from them. But yeah, when I was reading about the dives and how aerobatic they are and how agile they are in the winter, they're not such boobies after all, are they?
1: That is definitely the summary of this <laughs> podcast. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I think the one thing people are probably wondering, okay, where does the blue blue feet come from?
1: Well, that's what I wondered too. I mean, that's what I did a lot of research on. And uh, I mean, in a nutshell, it it comes from the food that they eat, uh, similar to like, why are flamingos pink? Well, so this bright blue color of the webbed feet of the blue-footed boobies comes from carotenoids, Mm -hmm. which are pigments that they obtain from the fresh fish that they eat. And so, with carotenoids, they do a lot of things. They can, uh, they're antioxidants, they help increase the immune system, and they also present a fair amount of colors in nature. So, they can also produce yellows, oranges, red. So, we talk about the red footed booby, or pink for uh, the flamingo. Uh, And The pigment itself, yes, it's in the food that the animal is currently eating, like the sardine or the anchovy, but it's actually produced by plants or algae, bacteria, and fungi. So it's what those fish are eating up the food chain, if you will. But also in relation, carotenoids uh, give colors to pumpkins, tomatoes, salmon, shrimp, right? Because they're all eating uh, smaller fish or mm-hmm. algae, things like that. Uh, daffodils, so just all all sorts of different uh, natural, vibrant colors that we see in nature. So, Chris, we've talked about the color blue uh, in wildlife in the past because it's it's actually pretty rare mm-hmm. uh, as far as a pigment goes. And really, when you see blue on feathers, and like those gorgeous parrots, or a butterfly like a blue morpho. It's actually not really blue. It's uh, just the way that either the feather is designed or the wing in the scale on the wing. And we, we dork out about it in a couple podcasts. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. I'll spare you the physics behind it. But basically, it's just the way that the light hits the different material of the surface of the feather or the the wing of the butterfly that then reflect the visible light blue. And that's what we see. Uh, however, the blue-footed booby the feet are actually real pigmented blue. Mm-hmm. There is no reflection of light, no trick, anything like that. Uh, and once again, coming from its food and from these carotenoids, uh, but it does have me wondering, well, geez, I eat pumpkins and I eat a lot yeah. of carrots and and, yeah. and salmon. So I don't, well, you know, why don't I turn different colors? But I think it, without uh, having any scientific back, ground in this area of expertise, I'm just going to guess it's probably in the amount that we eat, right? Like if I only ate carrots, it probably maybe would turn me a little bit of an orange pigment. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and maybe
0: like, you know, that would be a sign of ill health. And so you wouldn't be selected back then an orange human or a red, you know, would be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, make babies with you. You look sick. Right. So, because I'm trying to think, you're right. Like when I see a red-footed booby and a blue-footed booby, I'm like, that just they were more attractive, and that gets to right some of the
1: stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And 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 part of what researchers are trying to understand about why the blue was selected over time through sexual Mm -hmm. selection, Uh, and then you know, and I still wonder with between the blue-footed booby and the red-footed booby, there it must be different diets that cause the carotenoids that mm-hmm. the blue footed the boobies are eating to turn their feet blue where red it turns them red but I don't fully understand and that's the that's the physiology of me that if I really get bored tonight I must stay up and read <laughs> <laughs> Can't fall asleep. Right, I'll try right. to find that answer. So stay tuned. I don't know, but that's how my mind works. I keep going ten levels deeper. Mm-hmm. But we we've got to get through this podcast because of the behavior. So <laughs> I, I uh, like, anyway, this is fascinating. But it's true.
0: It's like as a, I guess it just kind of shows our thinking too. As scientists, it's like you know, every time you you answer a question, anytime we did research, you know, this is why you get into research. You like you said, research. We, we talked about that many pods ago. You answer one question, but it brings up 10 more.
1: Exactly. And
0: you're like, mm-hmm. ooh, I remember with your PhD work or even your master's work, we could have done, that'd be your whole career. Yes. You know, yeah. Looking at those nutrient effects on behavior and how these foals were so much smarter and just, you brought up so much amazing data and we all sat there stunned and we're like, there's a whole career sitting there on answering that question, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, I know. Curious minds want to know, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. for sure. So, But what researchers do know is that this blue color of their feet, of the boobies' feet, mm-hmm. it does vary in intensity, most likely based on diet and immune system. And blue-footed boobies with bluer feet appear – to have more reproductive success in finding a mate than those with duller feet. So there's a couple studies just to highlight what what has been shown in this sexual selection preference over over a millennia, right, to get these feet Mm -hmm. the way they weigh, the color that they are, the brightness in blue. is one study uh, uh, deprived blue-footed boobies of food for about two days, and the bird's did experience duller feet. The colors decreased. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's from the uh, reduction in the amount of lipids and lipoproteins that help absorb and transport and metabolize these carotenoids. So it's pretty evidence-based that if you pick a a mate with bluer feet, they are most likely more healthy, are getting more food. And then another study, the second study, uh, looked at how blue the feet were in relation to the health of the chicks, and they found that healthier chicks tended to have fathers that had brighter blue feet. And what that might say is like he you know, he's stronger, he's younger because also the um, the feet the feet fade with age, yeah. so. Uh, which is just part of life. Trust me. I, as a middle-aged person myself, (laughs) my feet aren't as blue as they used to be either, if you know what I mean. Um, But at any rate, and so, yeah, if the father has uh, bluer feet, then he can, then the genes that he's passing down will hopefully help his chicks survive longer. And then, Chris, in the last study uh, that I want to mention, it's really interesting. Uh, It kind of highlights the fact that females do tend to want to breed with younger, more fertile, more healthy males that have these brighter blue feet uh, because, well, most likely because they can provide better. And so they did this cool uh, cross-fostering study uh, where they basically swapped out uh, the chicks, and they found that chicks that were raised by foster fathers with brighter feet grew faster and were healthier than chicks that were raised by these foster males that had duller feet. And so the females have intuition and must know that. So, and we'll talk a little bit more too when we get into reproduction and uh, courtship, but the feet come in really handy for their mating rituals, their courtship yeah. dance.
0: I know, I watched those videos you sent. <laughs> it, it really is. It 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 is a it's a good indicator of the health of this specific species because you know, it just so shows you food availability, right? And then that study, I think, you know, the the Volando study where they talked about the pigment, you know, goes on to talk about, you know, maternal investment in the number of eggs she lays, you know, with a male that has you know, not such bright feet because it's just food availability. So you're seeing this link, these, these boobies in the Galapagos, you're seeing this massive reduction in in the amount of chicks they're raising because you're seeing this massive reduction in food resources.
1: Well, and I didn't find the study, but it also makes me curious to wonder if because of their population decline and their issues with their reproduction, are their feet more dull? like not as bright blue in the past 10 years versus 30 years ago. I don't yeah. know how you could prove that or whatever, but it just makes me it's I'm curious.
0: Yeah, no, I yeah, it's, 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 we're gonna get you on a boat and send you down
1: there. And, uh... <laughs> now, somebody, there we go. That sounds like a great way hey, to John, find out. I'm out.
0: <laughs> I'll see <laughs> yes. you in six months.
1: <laughs> you can do the all the paternal care. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just cassowary.
0: He's a cassowary dad.
1: He he's got like, really, really blue feet. He'll be fine. He's, he'll
0: be fine. <laughs> he's a cassowary dad. All right, we want to get to more behavior, but really quick. As far as predators, and again, another concern with this species is when they're young. They're very vulnerable to predation, you know, gulls, other predator birds, uh, reptiles, rodents, hawks, and they all prey on the young boobies. Also, about half the eggs are eaten by predators within five days after being laid. So there's a lot going against them right now. And so that is why, you know, we really got to keep an eye on this species and, and, and see where they are in the next few years. As adults, almost no predators, you know, maybe a shark would grab one every now and then. I don't know. But there's no natural predators out there that, that are really going after them. But Angie, the, there's a, a whole library of behaviors with the species. It's like birds are fun.
1: Birds because are so fun. It they makes me like, oh, we should just do like a bird podcast, like I a whole another one. Know, I know. Uh it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, with blue-footed boobies, they when they are hunting for food, they'll feed either by themselves or in these large communal groups, these large flocks that we talked about that are just a sight to be seen. So, if any of our listeners have that video of blue-footed boobies doing these communal dives into sardine or anchovy waters, please please let us know. Uh but in the same instance, they also nest in colonies uh, with lots of other birds. And that's where the Galapagos Islands is such a, a target on my bucket list because you could see tons of them if it's nesting season. But they are also not super gregarious where they do like to have their nest in their own area and not super close to all the other birds. So they, can, they, they are a social bird, but not necessarily social for survival, if you will. And we open the podcast with the blue Fitted booby like whistle call. Uh, so they're not an extremely vocal bird uh, like some of the other ones we've covered, but uh, they they do make these braying sounds or whistle sounds, uh, sometimes like a crackling quacking sound, grunts, uh, some calm shouts. So they They vocalize to communicate depending on what they need. And what's super fascinating, too, and we talked about this in the penguin colonies, is that mates recognize each other in these large colonies by their calls we so did, what was that we go back to penguins. It's how do they do that? It's like to insane. me and you, it sounds like a crazy, loud chorus of just noise, yeah, right.
0: Well, it's like you, you listen to a chorus. You can't. I guess you could pick out individual voices, maybe. But
1: if they're doing a solo, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Or a but... duet. I, uh, yeah. you know, I can do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. Oh, it's fascinating.
1: Yes, and there is some difference between um, sexes and how they call, and genders, and and then of course individuals have a, a little bit of their own unique unique signature to their call, but. Yeah, I mean, the fact that males and females can tell who's who, who their partner is versus not, uh, is just is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. So I will never say bird brain again, unless, no. it's a, unless it's a compliment.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. And what always gets me about birds? You know, we'll have to do bird of paradise here soon, too. Maybe that's one of the next birds we'll do. I know we've got a few on our list. But their mating rituals, and the videos you sent, and I'll, I'll make sure when when I post it on the, the website, I'll include those videos. They're
1: it's just, so fun! It's so oh, fun! Oh my! God. I was
0: thinking of like you having John put on big blue shoes. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> See, that's why we're buddies. I, you and I think so much alike. I, I keep telling John, I'm like, oh, you know, for Valentine's Day at your zoo, we should do like an adult only, like fun, either you know, like charades of acting out the rituals mm-hmm. in a PG fashion, of course, yes, yes. Uh, more of the courtship dances and movements and things like that. <laughs> and then see if like, I don't know, I don't have it all ironed out in my brain, but like if, if you, if you could guess it or maybe put four different species of birds up there and then you, you pick which one your partner's doing or, or other couples, or I don't know. Um, I just, you could have so much fun with it. And I, and, <laughs> I will tell you the blue-footed booby would be one of the one of the funnier ones because, like you mentioned, the blue yep. feet, right? Yeah, yep, that'd be yep. people would probably get that if, if if I put like blue socks on John. I know, right? I, know <laughs> I know, I know. So the breeding season with them is going to be between June and August, and for the most part, blue fitted boobies are monogamous, um, and the, for the most part, I'll talk about here in a second. When it is breeding season, uh, the males will display just these really amazing, elaborate courtship movements and sounds. And he usually will fly around. And of course, he'll show his blue feet with a very exaggerated high step movement, slow, almost like marching, but really high and really slow. He'll also present uh, pieces of material that can be used in the, in the nest So that's always appreciated. Uh, And then after he does the courtship flight and he shows off his feet and he gives her a little bit of nest material, um, they'll kind of stand face-to-face and start a really beautiful courtship dance. And what'll happen is the uh, male will start to, they call it sky point. So he'll point his beak upwards as high as he can with a really good posture. Uh, And then he'll open up his wings like about halfway or three quarters of the way, very slowly, and then start to lift his feet up one by one. And what'll happen is the female will start to mirror his behavior. And so they start then, if she's interested in him, she'll start Sky pointing with him at the same time and then lifting her, spreading her wings a little bit. And then the female too, if she likes what she sees, she'll respond with some calls, uh, basically telling him that she likes what he, what he looks like. We'll also show off her feet in a nice slow fashion. And yeah, they, these, these slow front kicks and sky pointing, uh, wing flapping, will go on for a while and they'll actually continue the courtship displayed even after they pair up and start building a nest. And Chris, what I also learned is that the blue-fitted booby puts its nest on the ground. So it lays its eggs in a shallow depression um, where uh, it will defecate on the nest and basically the eggs will be kind of Surrounded in these walls of dried uh, feces or excrement, and the female will incubate the eggs for about forty-one days. And like I mentioned before, the eggs are actually laid days apart, and so she'll lay anywhere from two to three eggs, at least historically speaking. uh, And they're going to be about five days apart, so. When the first egg is laid, it's immediately she sits on it and incubates it and so on and so forth. But what that does is that results in the chicks hatching at different times, this asynchronous hatching. And I mentioned earlier that it it does serve some benefits. So as I know very well by spacing out my children it lowers the demand on resources because I have one eating me out of house and home right now and one that like will barely eat anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not like a French fry or a cheese stick, right? No. Um, and then of course I have a baby that I'm providing all the food for uh, for the most part. So it's it's really interesting. So that can help resources, which thus can help the, the survival of the chicks. And then the other benefit of different sized chicks in the nest is that if one does get like, picked off by a predator. Um, There's two other ones that are different sizes. So maybe the predator only takes a small one. And so there may be some benefit to that as well. It's kind of a sad one. But uh, now the detriments of this asynchronous hatching is that there are very obvious different sizes of the chicks in the nest. And therefore the smallest or the youngest one, however you look at it, uh, can tend to basically either be picked on by the parents or the siblings. And it's been reported that blue footed boobies will practice what's called facultative siblicide when there's not enough food around. I know. And I had to look that up to make sure that I knew exactly what it was talking about. But, um, it basically means that, uh, The sibling, the older sibling will kill, if not quickly, slowly over days, uh, the younger, smaller sibling. Mm -hmm. And so the facultative basically means it may this may or may not happen where there's other species out there uh, that participate in what's known as obligate siblicide where this almost always a sibling mm-hmm. almost always ends up being killed uh but subulifer so blueberries are just facultative it only depends on food shortages but as we talked about the decreased population of sardine and anchovy schools then it makes you wonder is this increasing right mm-hmm. uh, oh. so it is part of nature and it is uh, obviously not the best. And, uh, well, and thank
0: goodness we didn't adopt that. I was third of four. So I would have definitely <laughs> not made it. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So you uh, probably
0: would have, cause you were feisty second board. So your poor yeah, <laughs> I probably would have
1: hung on there. Uh, but, but no, it is that, you know, that's why we just got to always keep feeding our children. Like here, get yeah. along, yes, get along. Yes, yes. Uh, so no, but it, it is, it is, it is interesting. And, mm. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast about uh, about this asynchronous hatching is because they are such a well studied and documented bird compared to other species. They can we can learn a lot from them and trying to understand the pros and the cons mm-hmm. and how to help conserve them when they are if they are low in food and how what is the frequency of this and how yeah. is this influencing their overall numbers, right, and their generation intervals. So, yeah, Chris, it's just like an interesting twist on the blue-footed booby chicks. But the mom overall is a very good mom. Uh, when the eggs start to hatch, the female will support them on top of her feet, and the young will actually remain on her feet for an entire month. So, I mean... I I would not want my children on my feet for a month. So no and, no
0: no no. no. Uh,
1: the blue fitted booby is a good mom for that, and of course both parents will feed the chicks right, and that's where the dad's role and his color of feet may come into play about his fitness and his overall um, health. And so they they feed the they feed the young by regurgitating fish, um, and then the chicks will pick it off their bills. And these chicks grow fast and they're always hungry. And so they need to be fed continuously. And typically the largest chick is given the most food and the parents will do some of that favoring, trying to maximize their Success. offspring's chance. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's nature. Right yeah. now. A quick little side tangent. Cause I know I mentioned that blue footed boobies are monogamous dot, dot, dot mostly.
0: Mostly. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, sometimes when the partner is away collecting food or nest material <laughs> yeah,
0: or whatever yeah, it is,
1: uh-huh, uh-huh. the partner at home, stuck at home, will play. And so <laughs> blue-footed boobies tend to have a wandering eye. Those bright yellow eyes will, <laughs> will often, about 50% of the time, play. Uh, The bird will wander, both sexes do this, so the bird will wander over to a neighbor uh, and do some courtship behaviors and seeing how that neighbor's feeling and, of course, his or her partner's out getting food. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, so the blue fitted booby briefly might step out on the relationship just for that moment. However, the studies have shown that they always return back to their partner in the nest and their offspring like nothing ever happened. <laughs> and they just, said that sometimes the one the uh, not the cheater but the the one the one being cheated on will even kind of see some of this and yeah. just basically ignores it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so w- it was put really really cute that basically the instinct to raise a family together Is was strong. stronger than yep. any infidelity to the relationships. <laughs> yes, okay. so well very yeah, genetic interesting diversity
0: again genetic diversity you know yeah. making sure you know, those feet are bright blue how do you not get a wandering eye because even the females i read their feet are bright blue man that's just it's tempting you know those those so blue so if you so i think the lesson of the story is wear bright blue shoes out i think so
1: and <laughs> yeah i think that's a good take Somebody home go message But now the females will start breeding when they're anywhere from one to six years old. Um, With the male, it takes a little bit more time to become uh, sexually mature anywhere between two and six years old, depending on their size and how bright blue their feet are and things like that. Uh, They won't go too far from where they're born. um, So that means that the young, the young birds don't move a lot from their natal nest area um, where they're born. And, And some researchers think that the benefits to staying close to their natal region and not dispersing too far away is that their parents potentially are around in their nest sites. And so that if they survived in this nesting area, because their parents built nests there, that means that there's probably not a ton of predators or disease or things like that. So it's Theoretically increasing their chance of survival and their offspring survival by staying in that same natal nesting site. It's just it's just
0: I gotta get to the Galapagos. You gotta get to the Galapagos to see these animals. And it's just again, it's like I I I do like last weekend I was out birding with Jesse and his partner Isabella, and we went to the sanctuary because it's just I haven't been in a couple months and I feel very fortunate to be in a very unique biome in New Zealand and see some very unique species. Again, the Galapagos like get to New Zealand or get to the Galapagos, see some of these very unique birds. Birds are amazing.
1: So fun. We have so much to learn from them, uh, from their physiology. Like I think I once, unfortunately, sorry, listeners asked more questions about (laughs) their feet (laughs) being blue and (laughs) physiologically (laughs) speaking, why that is. And I answered them and, and and try to answer some of their behavior, but man, it's just, I just always learn so much when we cover a bird species. It's so fun.
0: There's tens of thousands of them. So 10,000, over 10,000 species. So we just, yeah. I mean, things like the cuckoo bird, you know, that, that, that lay the egg in the nest or something and they kick out all the other eggs. I, there's just so many birds we've got to cover. So maybe we'll come up with a bird month. I I don't don't think we proposed that before, but. Conservation wise, again, we we all least concern all the boobies, but they are in decline. That's probably going to get reclassified here in the next decade if if trends continue. So, just got to keep our eyes to these these species. Any organizations out there specifically targeting them?
1: Yeah, Chris, for sure. I want to give a big shout out this week to the Gal- Galapagos Conservation Trust, and you can find them at www. Galapagos, which is G-A-L-A-P-A-G-O-S, Conservation.org.uk. And they do so many projects to help conserve the land of the Galapagos, several species on there. In fact, one of their uh, more recent projects was trying to understand why the blue footed booby populations have declined in their area. And their website is just really informative, full of facts and what specifically all their projects are doing and how they're giving back to the community. And, uh, their Facebook page is great. So give them a follow on social media and Chris will put up all that information on our, on our show notes. Um, but they also have a really cool program called Plastic Pollution Free Galapagos. And it's basically helping protect seabirds from all the plastic pollution. And so they have a cool program that you can donate to if you so choose. And I know uh, for it being ocean July month that we're doing this, uh, that the Galapagos Conservation Trust uh, will definitely win my vote of where we should potentially send some of our money. So check out Galapagos conservation trust and give them a like on Facebook and a follow and you will not be disappointed. Mm -mm,
0: mm -mm. I mean, it's just, again, one of the things I, 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 it's always the news isn't great, but I always go back to, there are so many people out there around the planet fighting for these species, these birds, you and I, you know, passion project. We, we spend a dozen hours each week doing this outside of our regular jobs, raising kids, all of that. There are a lot of people that are listeners, conservation heroes. So even though the news isn't great, keep your chins up, stay motivated, stay positive. Things are changing, maybe not as quickly as we need them to be, but they're changing. A lot of good stuff is happening around the planet to protect these animals. And like the Galapagos Islands, that's why we always go back to them. It, it, again, I think like New Zealand, we're fighting here for our species. There in the Galapagos, they've done a, a fantastic job protecting that unique environment, right? Like all the different islands. When we go back to the tortoises, the marine iguanas, now the blue-footed booby, you know, Ecuador's doing an amazing job
1: absolutely and just a big shout out to all of our listeners you guys as well are totally conservation heroes you're part of the movement by sharing this podcast getting other people excited about these species and their conservation is also doing a huge huge part so keep up the good work and share this episode give us a five-star review on itunes uh, it We really appreciate it and just thank you so much yeah thank you
0: listen learn Share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com.